So today, <coughs> 17th May is uh, our Sahanadi's birthday. So I just thought we can take her life as a way to enter into touch with Sri Aurobindo and the Mother and their grace. But just to connect with the previous uh, Tuesday, basically what the Mother has told us is that the root of the adverse forces has been attacked and dried up. But the shoots they have thrown, they will take time. Just like the Mahabharata war was won in a sense, but it had to yet be fought on the physical plane. So the victory of the Divine Mother has to be repeated in each one of us and this itself becomes a story, a Bhagavat, which reveals the many-sided play of the infinite. So once we remember that it's a winning battle or a battle which has already been won at some plane and it has to be worked out in terms of time and space, then it becomes easy. But most importantly, of, of course, for the devotee, it's a very simple path. is simply to take refuge in the divine, in Mother and Shurabindo. That takes care of everything. And most importantly, the mother tells us that we have to keep focused on the goal and not be distracted into fighting with the adverse forces. That's what they want. They want us to fight with them because they know that that's their forte. In Mahabharata, we have this story where the day Jadrath has to be killed, uh, King Susharma makes a strategy. Uh, or rather, the day Abhimanyu is to be killed. He challenges Arjuna for a fight. And Krishna tells him, don't get distracted. But he challenges him and takes him far, far, far away. And then finally in the Chakraview, Abhimanyu is trapped and killed. It was a very conscious planned strategy. This is precisely how these forces work, that they distract us, we begin to fight, then they, they fight back and lot of energy gets sapped, which has to be used in pushing towards the future. So, talking about Sahanadi, there were very, two very interesting dreams when she came here, which she documents in, in her story, life story. Of course, she had a dream even before coming here and that was a very sweet dream. She had seen uh, Shirobindo as a child because as we know, she was niece of Chitranjan Das, the famous uh, advocate who fought for Shirobindo. And she had seen him once as a child when he had come to his home. And then somewhere through a long set of circumstances, she came to Pondicherry via Bangalore with Dilip Kumar Roy. In Bangalore, she had a dream where she sees Shurbindo crossing the field, a green field. And she asks him, says that I want to come, come to you. I want to come to you. And Shurbindo with a very sweet laughing way, he says, why, what is the hurry? You sing for some more time. And then she begins to cry. And then Shubhinda says, Alright, you can come. You will get the permission tomorrow. Sure enough, the permission came next day. And she came here and stayed on here. But coming to her two interesting dreams, which show how we need to handle these things and how these sadhaks have walked the way. Of course, there is a whole school of thought which says we should not eulogize the sadhak, we should not talk about them. I don't believe that. I feel that in India there is a tradition of Bhagavat, 
So on one side we have the Gita, which is the essential truths of um, of uh, Sri Krishna. On the other side we have the Purana, which is basically stories of Krishna with all the bhaktas, devotees, the demons, and it's a very fascinating story. Now Gita, you know, one can go into metaphysical discussions and debates, and unless one has the inner revelation, one will always be analyzing. This means this. There are people who have made Gita a gospel of non-violence, so all kinds of things are possible. But when you read the Bhagavat, which are nothing but stories of Krishna with his devotees, it has a liberating effect. Something within us understands. And it cannot always be put into words. So I feel that when we read stories of the disciples and devotees or hear about them, basically it's not their story. It's the story of the mother and Shurabindo and how they dealt with each one. So it's again Shurabindo and the mother seen from another angle. And we know that they are infinite and there are infinite ways the divine takes delight in his creation and in his bhakta. So it becomes very interesting. So one dream was when she sees that there is a huge waves coming from the sea and they are striking her house. And then she sees that she is safe inside, she doesn't feel fear. But after a while she sees that portion of the house is chipped off. So she goes out to see what has happened after the storm and the, the flood abates. And she sees, oh my God, the whole house is gone. But from within a new house has come up. So it's a very interesting thing that these adverse forces, what they can do, ultimately they can only pull down the ego and chip it off. But the inner being not only remains intact, it grows stronger through all this. And it's one of the dreams. The other was even more illustrative, where she sees that there is a huge river, almost like a Brahmaputra, where you feel it's a sea, and she has to cross to the other side where there is Mother and Shurbindo. But when she looks down into the river, she sees that it is full of most hideous creatures. Most of them huge snakes. And they are so close that almost river is not seen, but it looks like it's a river of snakes. That's the kind of vision she has. And she doesn't know what to do. And she has to swim across and reach there. So then she sees some of these sadhaks are going, swimming. So she says, okay, let me also plunge. She plunges and she keeps ignoring the creatures and keeps looking that I have to reach there to Mother and Shirobindo. And somehow she manages to swim across and when she reaches the shore, she sees Shirobindo lift her up and say, well, you have arrived. Then she understood what it means to take a plunge. Now these forces don't want us to take a plunge. They keep on putting all kinds of thoughts, suggestions, how difficult, how dangerous, even it will show hideous creatures, not the beautiful divine. And prevent us from taking the plunge. But if we take the plunge and when we take the plunge, instead of looking at those hideous creatures, which are, you know, very often distortions and appearances, whatever else, uh, real or unreal, that's not the issue. The focus should be that I have to reach on the other side. And like a river rushes to the sea, we should just keep moving and they can do no harm. No, and she sees that. And of course, the mother was very happy when she narrates these dreams. She, she had a very interesting um, story that she would write all the letters to mother and Shurabindo would answer all the letters. So it's, it's very interesting. She came at a young, relatively young age, as we know, 28 plus 3 must be about, uh, not 3, yeah, 3, so 31 years of age. And then she had a beautiful voice 
Tagore had asked her to come over and um, almost like she was regarded as a nightingale at that point of time. But mother, she also got a stitching machine with her. And mother gave her the work for stitching, tailoring and of course embroidery also. She is the pioneer who started the stitching department. So initially she was wondering, I don't know, I have just got it for some odd jobs I can do. But mother gave her that job and eventually she discovered the rasa of work. Because she had a tendency towards meditation, contemplation, reading and uh, writing. I mean, she wrote some beautiful poetry. There's a very interesting story about her poetry. I mean, we know so many experiences that sadhaks had after Shurabindo's physical withdrawal. So she also, like many, suffered a lot acutely. I mean, they, if there is a scene which can be called tragic ever in human history, at least I feel that way it is the so-called passing, but withdrawal of Shurabindo. There can be nothing more tragic than that. And she also suffered. She came home for days. She was in a state of gloom and felt that she is being pulled into a great darkness which had no limits. So this story is very interesting. So in spite of all that, she drags herself and comes to the Samadhi. One day she drags herself. Even mechanically, she doesn't feel like and as she is sitting with all that gloom surrounding her, she suddenly sees three lines, as if luminous lines in front of her. She sees. And then Shurabindo standing behind her whispers these lines into her ears. Now they are like a mantra. And she ends up writing a Bengali poem about 300 to 350 lines. <laughs> Day and night, she was so much seized by that that she would not care about eating, sleeping and kept writing. And that poem, I mean, it's, I'm told it's very difficult to translate, but it's one of the marvels, masterpieces, because this poem talks about Shurabindo as the supreme being. It's a revelation of Shurabindo to her. And how this supreme being has come upon earth, taken the burden of the avatar for the supramental creation, how that prophecy has been fulfilled, the work has been done. All this, she, it's literally like a Bhagavat. It's like a Purana. And... Um, it's a pity. I don't think that book is available even in the Bengali writings. Even Sahanadi's book is not available. These are the things which are really wonderful books. So, see how she has grown. And another thing we see in her life, that these adverse forces, often they work upon the surface nature and how we can be so much misled when we look at the surface nature. She had some very high experiences, including uh, one where Shurabindo confirmed that this is a uh, nirvana of her personal self, her personal nirvana. Uh, when she first had darshan of the mother, she had the experience of the force descending right from the sahasrar up to the muladhar, each center vibrating. And with all those experiences, she had to face severe difficulties of outer nature, so much so that couple of times she wanted to go away from the ashram. It's a very sweet story where in one of those moods where she felt mother does not love me, and I want to go away. So, Shurabindu um, writes a letter. We see that you have decided to go away. Are you? Have you really decided then to reject us? It's such a touching letter. I can't imagine Shurabindu writing. Have you decided to reject us? And then Nalnida comes and says that mother has asked, are you going away? And she remains quiet. Then Nalida asked again, mother has asked, 
Is Sahana going away? Again she is quiet. Nalida repeats it third time. Mother is asked, is Sahana really going away? And she bursts into tears and says, tell mother I am not going away anyway. <laughs> These were her ways. But we can see that how the outer nature could still face severe difficulties in spite of these very high experiences. It shows the kind of magnitude of work that is required in this yoga. And of course, toward the end, last three years, she used to remain in such a beautiful state that people who went near her felt so much uplifted. But the difficulties of nature. So first I'll read a little bit about how Shubindu spoke about that. It's a... Um, this part is of course um, from Niruddha. He asks Shurabindu, I am tempted to ask you a delicate question about Sahana. So, Sahanadi came in 1928 and Niruddha had come in 1933. So, he has seen her, heard about her that you know she is a great sadhika, remains in drawn and yet he in his observation felt this is like an ordinary nature. So, in those days, you know, one could ask, this was the beauty. She seems to be in a good state of sadhana, though I find that she spends much of her time in a very ordinary manner. So he is not able to reconcile that too, because we have an impression, image of the sadhak. Still, she seems very happy and her sadhana must be very good, since she suffers from no depression. So he is surprised that what is this paradox? She doesn't seem to be really doing any sadhana. Most of her time she spends in an ordinary way and yet she remains happy. And Shobindu gives a reply that how for many years she had built an inner life. So that inner life is so strong that it carries her. And then Shobindu speaks about some of her experiences. And then he says, Shravindu says, there are three or four others who have had this experience recently so that the working of the force is not altogether in vain as this experience is a very big affair and is supposed to be, if stabilized, the summit of the old yogas. So she is realizing the peaks of the old yogas as early as the 30s. For us, it is only a beginning of spiritual transformation. I have said this though it is personal so that you may understand that outside defects and obstacles in the nature or the appearance of unyogigness does not necessarily mean that a person can do or is doing no sadhana. Rishwinda says don't go by outer appearances because they can be very misleading. What's going on inside? No one knows. So then Niruddha asked, but what is the secret of it? I think she has a great love for the mother. Is that the reason? And yes, Shurabindu says, partly she has got hold of the sadhana by the right end and applied it. This is the right end, love for the mother. Just the thing D failed to do because of his doubts and pride of intellect and denials, etc. So this is where the difference lies. I remember once, when Amalda was admitted in nursing home and on his one of the hundred plus birthdays, probably hundred fourth, hundred fifth, I don't remember, 
quite a few people were there and just then i had also walked in stood at the door and they were all asking amal uh, he was like that you could call him like that and he said you look so you know you are um, uh, you have lived so long and so healthy and this that all kinds of nice your skin is so good <laughs> all the things what what is the secret how could you manage it and amalda you know he remained quiet for some time suddenly he said love for the mother that was the words he mentioned what is secret this is i am told once which um, i have tried to get the reference but this is some sadhaks who have been there during that particular moment that in the theater once people asked nolnida to say something after you know during everything was over and then nolnida to say few words nolnida went held the mic and just said three words love the mother and came back such a powerful thing so she had just got hold of that and that carried her and this was in 1936 so 28 to 36 just about 8 years and she had made a remarkable progress just by the fact that she had caught the sadhana as shubhendra said by the right end through love through devotion through service and this was the path that she showed for everyone so i just thought we'll read just a few portions from some of her interesting conversations we know that she was um, she used to she had the permission to cook for shubhendra and the mother but she would put lot of ghee and oil in it so much so that shubhendra said once that if sadhana uh, if sahana were to cook then the ashram will go bankrupt in 3 months time because she would cook it with but it was a delicious cooking i believe and she is also the one you know this background why it is so important because many times when we read some of shubhendra's isolated letters where we don't have the background then we can draw strange conclusions like we know the famous letter that where someone asked shubhendra that can i eat this and shubhendra said eat your desire now you know some take this letter to mean that we have to lead a very ascetic life where we should not eat anything uh, you know that we even feel like occasionally but when we read the context then we get a very different picture now here is sahanadi very fond of cooking and of course fond of eating and of course we know the relations he has with shubhendra so see as shubhendra i had a strong desire to eat a few things and it was uncontrollable see also says it was not just an ordinary desire it had seized a being uncontrollable the mind was actively working as to how to satisfy the desire finally i wrote she wrote mother today i am feeling somewhat greedy now you see how she exposes herself like a child do you know what it is about she is not stopping at that i feel like eating eggs lobster and tin sardine terribly greedy mother and then she writes either remove this desire or give me permission to eat and protection at the same time what a wonderful way it's really this is the completeness of the sadhana she is not putting up a show no mother i rejected this nothing she says either you allow me to eat and protect me because i know this is a terrible greed and so much or else you remove the desire and shobindu gave this famous reply 
नेक्स्ट डे द रिप्लाई के फ्रॉम श्योरबिंदो सटनली नॉट यू कैन ईट अप योर डिजायर दैट इज द ओनली फिश और फ्लैश दैट कैन बी गिवेन टू यू इट इज सिंपली एन ओल्ड संस्कारा राइजिंग फ्रॉम द सबकॉन्शियंट सो ही टू होम ही इज राइटिंग वट इज द बैकग्राउंड वट इज द कंटेक्सट इट्स नॉट अ जजमेंट ऑन एनी वन एंड एवरी वन फॉर ऑल टाइम्स टू कम दिस द ब्यूटी ऑफ दिस लेटर एंड मोर इंपॉर्टेंटली देन वॉट शुड बिन दिज इट शोज इट डिवोटीज अप्रोच शी इज ओपनिंग हर सेल्फ नॉट जस्ट आई एम ग्रीडिंग ऑल द थिंग्स दैट शी वॉन्ट्स टू इट शी इज ऑल्सो सेंग आईदर ऑर यू पिक एंड चूज फॉर मी and she knows that if i eat there will be a problem so she is also asking for protection and then shurbindo does that so many of these letters it's very interesting that shurbindo we see actually when shurbindo and the mother in many of the letters they not only guide it's a wrong way at least i feel that it's a wrong way to look at these letters as guidance guidance is to mental a term that you know he tells us what to do and what not to do it's not like that there is a power and i have always felt that when we read the letter in the right spirit then they work do their work it creates in us that state which is embodying embodied in the letter and it takes away that sting which we have in our nature of desire and these greeds then of course um, we know the famous radha's prayer and it's very interesting that its origin is also uh, thankfully to sahanadi there are of course many interesting things about the early phase when she had come uh, she uh, dilip kumar roy then there was i think datta and few others pavitra da nolni da amrita da of course they used to go on long drives and uh, they would go to different places and sit down or mother would come sometimes to her home and they would all sit together and raise questions and the mother would answer this is the birth of the famous 1929 to 31 question and answers which we have so very often people wonder why from 31 to 50 there is a gap because mother was giving so much pouring so much that we felt she felt very seriously ill and that is the time when shobindo says that if i had to say about the mother's illness i will have to write at great length and mother writes in one of her prayers in 1931 when we look at this prayer this is the last prayer in last of course is victory to the o lord that's the prayer for those who want to serve the divine but just before that there is a prayer of the mother where she says that for the fulfillment of thy work i have plunged myself into the very bottom of the inconscience so from that time onwards many things changed one of them was this that these conversations came to a halt which the mother would resume again after 1950 so what was happening during the period people were having shurbindo's letters so he took upon himself the work and we see that people would ask shurbindo and he would give a reply so this was during this period but then she wanted to she was fond of dancing and singing and she when she came to the ashram she thought that she would have to give up all art for the sake of sadhana because you know we have a conception of sadhana that no to give up everything and just withdraw into silence and meditate but such sacrifice was not needed shobindo's yoga includes all he wrote afterwards the development of capacities is not only permissible but right when it can be made part of yoga one can give 
not only one's soul but all one's powers to the divine so she was she is very clear and many of the sadhaks when we see we see of those days they were doing few things simultaneously she would teach she would do the tailoring she would do embroidery uh, of course she was singer writer poet and many of these things together and it's very interesting amazing to see that so she starts preparing a dance on radha and mother tells her what is the state of radha so she reveals to her in few passages one a measureless void in radha's mind and body she is groping in the dark so we can see how the mother turns this whole dance into a yoga one of the things that one experiences when one is ready for the inner life is a kind of void and more and more at least i see some people who come and they are saying that we don't know what to do in life we don't know it doesn't hold we we don't feel ambition we don't want to do the things which many people want to do but we don't know what to do now often i have seen that this void that many youngsters are experiencing is a kind of spiritual crisis they are actually groping this is one of the first stages and if a path can open for them it would be wonderful second she is working she is seeking all around but does not find him whom she seeks unbearable is the anguish at times she hears as it were the almost forgotten anklet bells come floating from afar she becomes impatient a restless mood then all of a sudden she hears the sound of the flute depression vanishes so this is what as i said i at least i seen quite a few youngsters and some people go through these phases also during the inner life which are often called as depression but it's not really depression it's suddenly a part of nature which feels the anguish of the divine who is no more there and is looking for how to find him and of course with trust and reliance on the mother it is removed and then krishna appears and finally radha surrenders at his feet these are the four modes so this um, see they started practicing it was dilip kumar roy who had composed the music and they were practicing the dance in a large hall when previously i had wanted to practice my dance to the tune of rabindranath's song in the same room shobindo had replied referring to a sadhak who lived just under the hall downstairs he is too serious to be danced over <laughs> he had said don't don't dance because he is too serious a man poor fellow he is too serious to be danced over but now shobindo gave permission i was puzzled and asked him you wrote differently before and now this change he replied perhaps before long he will cease to be too serious <laughs> wonderful way and a marvelous way of showing so of course this is how they grew up and then she was trying to work upon the radha's dance but just it was not coming she tries many things and then finally the mother after revealing many things to sahana di she writes a letter sahana to complete what i told you yesterday about radha's dance i have noted down as an indication of the thought and feeling 
Radha must have within her when she stands at the end in front of Krishna. And I felt this is, you know, very, very often people ask, how should we be during darshan? I suppose this is how we should be during darshan <laughs> because <laughs> what else for us standing before Krishna is, we are face to face with the mother and Shurabindo. So then mother says, every thought of my mind, each emotion of my heart, every movement of my being, every sensation, each cell of my body, each drop of my blood, all is yours. Yours absolutely, yours without reserve. You can decide my life or my death, my happiness or my sorrow. She is asking nothing for herself, you decide. You want me to have sorrow? Fine. You want me to have happiness? It's up to you. I have handed over myself to you and I am free. Now it's entirely your, your will. What a wonderful submission. My pleasure or my pain, whatever you do with me, whatever comes to me from you, will lead me to divine rapture. This was on 12th of January. I think 1937, the date is not given here. And the next day, if we see mother's collected works, 13th January 1937, the mother has slightly modified it and put it as Radha's prayer. So this is the origin of the famous Radha prayer. And um, when we read the context, we discover it's not just Radha's prayer. It should be our prayer when we are standing face to face before mother and Shurabindo, that I am completely yours. Take me just as I am. And... Whatever you choose to give, give. Whatever experience and who am I to question. Then of course we know the famous question or the infamous one where she asked Shurabindo. We were, the question came up because some person wrote a letter attacking the mother and Shurabindo. We were much excited by it and hotly discussed what our attitude should be towards such persons. Should we at all keep any contact with them? And she was in two minds. On one side it was, no, I should have nothing to do with anyone who is speaking like this about Mother and Shobindo. And the other was, no, 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 we can conciliate what is there. So these both things were there in a mind. And she writes in favor of conciliation at the end of it. Because there were a lot of intellectual sadhaks who were telling her, no, 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 it's all right. You know, you have to see that behind all this, you have to have no hatred, etc. inside. So, Shurabindu answered, no doubt, hatred and cursing are not the proper attitude. It is true that to look upon all things and all people with a calm and clear vision, to be uninvolved and impartial in one's own judgment is a quite proper yogic attitude. The question is whether this is all that is demanded from us. If so, then the general attitude will be one of a neutral indifference to everything. But the Gita which strongly insists on a perfect and absolute samata goes on to say, fight, destroy the adversary, conquer. If there is no kind of general action wanted, no loyalty to truth as against falsehood, except for one's personal sadhana. No will for the truth to conquer, 
then the samta of indifference will suffice. So he says that it depends. If you want to really work for truth, fight for truth, truth to conquer not only just in personal sadhana but in collectivity, then you have to adopt the attitude that Sri Krishna says, the dynamic equality. But if you are satisfied with personal sadhana, then neutral indifference is all right. And of course, Sri Aurobindo seems to lean towards that you have to take a stand. He goes on, it's a long letter. So I am just uh, reading from portions. It's there in collected works, those who want to read the full letter. Sri Krishna, who insisted so much on samata, strongly rebuked his attitude and insisted on his fighting the adversary. Have samata, he said, and seeing clearly the truth, fight. Therefore, to take sides with the truth and to refuse to concede anything to the falsehood that attacks, to be unflinchingly loyal and against the hostiles and the attackers is not inconsistent with equality. It is the personal and egoistic feeling that has to be thrown away. Hatred and vital ill will have to be rejected. But loyalty and refusal to compromise with the assailants and the hostiles or to dally with their ideas and demands and say, after all we can compromise with what they ask from us. These things have a great importance. So this is very clear. It's a long letter. And of course, you have been the answer by saying, I have given you the general background and principles. So each one has to apply it in one's own way. And there are some very sweet things. She used to suffer from, see once Sahanadi writes, very interesting letters these are. She says that when people are depressed, of course we know that there is a tendency to say, you tell the mother, you go and tell her everything. There is no need to share with anyone. So she writes to Shirobindo that I have found in my experience that sometimes it helps if you talk to someone. This letter of course is a personal relevance for me because I used to be caught in this dilemma that you know what should I say? Should I say that no, no, don't come, please go and you know Samadhi is there, go and talk to the mother, this no point. So should one do that or is it okay to talk? And then she says that in my experience I have found that it helps if one can talk to someone. And Shirobindo says, yes, of course. On the contrary, it is extremely helpful if someone can speak to the person with sympathy. Very, very clearly. Then at another point, she had insomnia. She would have no sleep and she asked Shirobindo and Shirobindo told her once that go and take medicines. <laughs> now, you know, we know what it means to take medicines for insomnia. It's like going to a psychiatrist and asking for sleeping pills. So she got very hurt. And she wrote to Sri and the mother that it seems you have lost interest in me. You are asking me to go and take medicines. It means you no more love me. All these things she wrote. And then Sri wrote a long letter that no, it is because we love you that we are advising you. Because if you don't sleep, if you don't eat properly, you will have weak nerves. We don't want that. We want and, and then he says beautifully the whole principle that we have noticed sometime when there is a problem in the physical, it is good to take a physical remedy because the force can act better through that. So long, long back, Shurabindu had already answered this problem of sleeping pills. Of course, now we don't have sleeping pills. We have much safer things. But even then, this idea that Shurabindu was totally against medicines and he never wanted anybody to take medicines is one of those, you know, rigid ideas. So, 
of course one should not depend on medicines so when she got very much uh, she didn't like what mother and shubindo told her that you can go and take medicines and it led to lot of misunderstanding sanadi writes i misunderstood his well meant advice and refused it i thought he was pushing me away from him shubindo was pushing her away from him that's what she thought so shubindo's reply given below spoke speaks of the reaction of my mind born of that misunderstanding shubindo wrote it was precisely out of solicitude for you because the suffering of insomnia and the spasm had been excessive that i proposed to you to take the help of treatment it is a fact of my experience that when the resistance in the body is too strong and persistent it can help to take some aid of physical beings as an instrumentation for the force to work more directly on the body itself for the body then feels supported against the resistance from both sides by means both physical as well as supra physical the mother's force can work through both together so this is a very wonderful secret he reveals that don't limit the mother's force that only it will work inside everything is inside mother's force can make a doctor as an instrument can make medicine as an instrument depending on the condition the requirement and that's where again i saw a very childlike thing about amalda that whatever one gave like a baby he accepted it he did not question why are you giving me insulin how much dosage is it okay no such rigidity that plasticity which probably showed on his face also right up to the end so this kind of a uh, clarification from shirbindu to sahana this is so helpful for all of us it is surprising that you should take my suggestion in this way as if it meant an abandonment and refusal to help you but it is still more surprising that you should have taken mother smile at pranam for sarcasm see what kind of problems the disciples could develop during that time so sometimes people raise this question also it's very nice to hear these letters but whom do we write letters now and who is there to reply well mother has said and it's so beautiful she says now it is even easier she says earlier people would write letters and if shubindu took two days three days people would write back have you forgotten and they would remind him now all that you need to do is you go speak to the samadhi he is accessible to all all the time <laughs> so it's an infinite shubindu who is present there and he answers the beauty is now this answer cuts through the layers of the mind normally those letters even they could create misunderstanding we see that letters came and disciple misunderstood and he wrote back so very often when people say no no you just read shubindu and the mother it's not as simple as that there has to be right state otherwise everything can be misunderstood because its ultimate understanding comes here but if we are open then we don't even need the letter it's of course the experience of countless persons i'm sure who go to the samadhi speak of a problem and they don't answer this way that oh this is the problem you can do this and you can do that at least i have seen several time they just take away the problem and sometimes you wonder what was it like 
at least you know i have tried to call back why was in i in that state what was the problem and i am trying to remember even the problem is not coming to the mind that there was something which i was asking shirobindo and then i would say this is a very smart way that he has just removed it and uh, i had to probably learn something and i have not learned but he has done everything that is necessary in one go so now actually it is much easier because we have a direct access earlier we had to go through this route because it was so difficult when the divine is embodied it has its own big advantage no doubt about it but it has its own problems because we are all the time busy looking at the human side and forget the divine side of the avatar so shobindo continues the only thing she put in it was an insistence for the cloud that she saw covering the body consciousness and interfering with its receptivity to lift you must not allow this clouding attack to come between your mind and the mother so this is how they continued to guide since you know we just have about 5 minutes so just i'll speak of one more small little there were many things she would ask about you know how even the most mundane things shubindu would reply we think you know that um, mundane things have no importance but here is one letter where shubindu writes to her shubindu is writing the author of savitri and the life divine look at what he is writing to sahanadi for today we told dhuman to supply the milk for nalini for nalina her sister but in future it is better to get it from amrita direct from the dairy the simplest thing would be for one of maya's servants to take the milk for both at 5 o'clock or thereabouts and leave nalina's at her place on the way to maya's we are informing amrita now you know it's the most mundane detail of life shubindu was engaged in and taking care of it was not that you know no you don't ask me such questions i am busy with supermind and you know it doesn't concern me what you are bothering me about milk of all the things so this was the kind of care and concern when her sister came with some children uh, i think two children maybe i am wrong and they had put up in one of the seaside guest houses so um, one night there was a storm and mother sent nalinida and amrita to find if children are all right they were just visitors and then she tells um, writes to sahanadi that i think um, it will be nice i am arranging for a car for the children to go on a drive because they would be getting bored <laughs> this how divine mother could see she was not saying oh they have come here they should just only read mother and shobindo's books she is telling they should go out on a drive because otherwise they would be getting bored how well she understood human nature and how much she came so close to us and continues to do that and finally let me close there are so many things which i had thought but uh, you know we don't have so much time uh, a very interesting experience of sahanadi she was a krishna bhakta and when she came suddenly she started losing interest in shri krishna's bhakti and started feeling only for shirobindo and the mother so this created in her at some level a conflict that am i doing a right thing am i doing a wrong thing so one day when she is thinking of this she had a vision of shri krishna 
there appeared before me a radiant image a gleam with blue light at once my whole being fell prostrate at his feet with tears flowing and went on repeating with both my folded hands outstretched oh my lord my beloved god and she was just you know lying in that state with that feeling of oneness and oneness with the lord then overwhelming me with this inexpressible feeling he vanished conferring these benedictions as if a standing call for the awakening of a new consciousness to the coming dawn of shri bindo's future supramental manifestation so sri krishna before leaving tells her something what does he tell her why this lassitude i am united with shri bindo so she asks shri bindo how shall i sanadi writes to shri bindo how shall i so unfit a person so poor a sadhika take this experience have i understood it rightly she is not sure shri krishna has appeared and told her i have united with shri bindo why are you all the time remaining in this state of lassitude so she doesn't because you know she has most of the time we see our outer nature and we wonder that is there anything really worth in us but if you look at the lord's grace then all these vanish so she is saying i am such a poor sadhika in spite of all these high experiences am i really worthy of having this vision this experience have i seen rightly he answered shobindu answered who else can unite with me except krishna nothing more we can say who else can unite with me except krishna 